As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. Welcome back. I am Anna Davis and this is a brand new series of On Farm. It's really good to be back. I've genuinely missed recording these episodes. We've got lots coming up for you in coming weeks. We will celebrate 100 years of livestock health as the Morden Research Institute celebrates its centenary. We will have a special focus on farm co-ops and how the umbrella cooperative group SAOS are helping in the fight against climate change and lots, lots more besides. But our first two episodes this series are both looking at organic production. Next week, we are with the farmer going through the process of switching from conventional to certified organic. That's with SOPA, the Scottish Organic Producers Association. Today, though, we thought we'd start with a new series by revisiting some old friends. When we last took a trip to Norvite's production plant near Inverurie on what was only our second ever episode of On Farm, it was to find out about how they were using locally sourced oilseed rape to make sustainable animal feed Neolac. Neolac helps to cut imports of controversial things like palm oil and soya that risk doing harm to the rainforests and important habitats. This is the Neo Pro, which is the, the meal straight off the press. We've taken the seed, we've crushed it, and we get two thirds of this and one third of oil. This is almost slaty and uh, flaky, huge flakes of meal yeah. with an almost leathery texture, but crumbly at the same time. The cold pressing process produces a flake, the meal in a flake form. That's 30% protein, 12 to 14% oil. Mm-hmm. So whilst it doesn't look oily, mm. the oil is still, you know, encapsulated within the matrix of the of the meal. Oh, I see. Yes, um, yeah. It looks very, it does look very dry and quite quite looks, crumbly. Looks but quite dry, yeah. But when you analyse it, it's, yeah. it's it's actually quite oily. It's worth more nutritionally because it's got that extra energy content. Obviously, the rate mills, uh, the neopros, uh, produced very, very locally. So, yeah, so the neolat is, is, we've talked about how it's so crucial for sustainability as well as for very many other reasons. And you work with local farmers who are all close by to produce that rapeseed for you, mm-hmm. oilseed rape. Yeah, yeah. The alternative to, to rapeseed meal is soybean meal, which we've discussed. That was previously coming from where exactly? Soya is either from North or South America. You can also buy maize gluten meal, usually from North America. Sunflower extract, which comes from Europe or Eastern Europe. Palm kernel, which comes from Indo, Malaysia, you know, Indonesia or Malaysia. Yeah, so So look on uh, the ingredient list from companies that are making feeds where they're located near ports, and they'll Mm. tend to use a basket of imported products from yes. all over the place. But contrast that with the 15 mile radius that 
all of your rapeseed comes from. It's still one of our most listened to episodes ever and it's fascinating if you haven't heard it so just go all the way back to the beginning of your podcast feed to hear it again. What we didn't cover at the time is that the Norvite production plant at Old Meldrum is also capable of producing food for human consumption. And now they are at the centre of a trial to grow and cold press high grade organic rapeseed oil for sale to restaurants and wholesalers. Conventional wisdom has it that it's almost impossible to grow oilseed rape organically. So it's quite a challenge they've set themselves. But we can head to Norvite now with On Farms producer Dave Howard, who is the reporter asking the questions. So this is On Farm's second visit to the Norvite headquarters here at Old Meldrum in Aberdeenshire. The first time we came here, Anna was presenting that one. It was one of the very first episodes we recorded. So it's it's good to be back uh, here with Ed Smith. Ed, hello. How are you doing? Yeah, good. We are good. And actually, I'm remembering all the kind of sights and smells from our first trip up here. It's great to be back. And actually, Ed, a lot's happened since we came to see you then. We came to see you then because we wanted to talk to you about... Neolac, the product that we're standing right next to here, your dairy cattle feed that is made largely from locally sourced oilseed rape. Since then, you've been very busy. Well, we've been active on a few fronts. Um, Right back in 2015, when we uh, first built uh, the crushing plant here, partly because we saw the commercial opportunity and and partly because uh, I have another role as chairman of uh, Scottish Organic Producers Association. We uh, thought we'd really like to investigate the possibility of uh, having an organic oilseed rape product, initially looking at the uh, animal feed market because it seemed wrong, to be honest, that we were having to purchase uh, soya from China and India to use in organic uh, pig and poultry feed and also oil organic oil which would which would it has a um, a great value in those feeds as well was very very difficult uh, to get hold of altogether so we uh, started uh, talking to some local growers I suppose a couple of years passed without a lot happening to be honest but uh, eventually we approached SRUC and spoke to their uh, specialist in uh, oilseed rape about the potential of the project and after pretty much every agronomist had had told us uh, by this stage that it wasn't possible because of all the pest problems he put us in touch with a contact of his in Sweden and uh, eventually we got uh, a trip organized in uh, early 2019 uh, around about February, and this guy was uh, fantastic. Um, got us onto um, four or five different farms, where we discovered that uh, not only are they successfully growing oilseed rape and, uh, organically and have done for uh, a number of years, but it comprised about uh, 12% of the entire oilseed rape uh, area in the country. So looking at the latitude um, of Sweden and in the area of Sweden we were in uh, was roughly about level with Edinburgh. We thought that being further north would um, probably be even more of an advantage in terms of um, you know, pest pressure. So the group of farmers and the agronomists uh, that we took uh, on that trip got a plan together to grow um, Initially, we were going to only do uh, winter crops, and we got uh, five farms involved and managed to get some crops in the ground uh, 
that August. And so we've, uh, we're actually lucky enough to get some, some grant funding from Scottish Government to pay for the facilitation of, uh, of, the, um, of the project. We've got quite a lot of really, really good data. We use different uh, establishment systems. There was different types of agronomy, different varieties, quite a wide range of uh, variables that we've looked at. Uh, we've done some knowledge transfer sessions uh, with open meetings, uh, latterly on Zoom. But I think as well as the organic market, the uh, organic uh, growers, there's been um, quite a bit of interest from conventional uh, growers as well because um, I, I know certainly in England it's becoming a very difficult crop to grow without um, chemicals. Um, and uh, obviously in organic you can't use any at all. Um, so we're, we're, we're at the point now where we've had the winter crops already harvested um, I would say very successful, averaging 1.1 tonnes per acre. How, how would that compare with a conventional crop? Very respectably, I would say. Most conventional growers might be looking for a tonne to a tonne and a half an acre in a good year. You know, certainly looking at the gross margins, uh, which have been examined uh, a little bit, um, need to do a bit more work on those, but it was looking pretty... Uh, pretty nice. Um, Ed's looking to Murray Cooper who's also with us for a little bit of backup as he remembers some of this. Um, Murray you're one of the farmers involved in this trial is that right? Yes I, as Ed said projects well in the background it's kind of been bumbling away since probably 2015 if not earlier. Ourselves have been dabbling in it since 2016. And in fact I think you're the only farmer so far who has now done two seasons worth of organic oilseed rape, is that right? Yeah, I harvested a crop in 2019 and we'll have a, another crop to harvest this year, so it's uh, hopefully the second successful harvest. Then actually you turned up today with a, with, with a sample which you're, you're clutching in your hand. Just talk us through that. Um, I've sample of three varieties that we've been growing this year. Um, it's a spring spring crop I've grown with a variety called uh, Lumen, a variety called Samilla and a variety called Miracle. The one nearest to me is quite a lot fatter I can see in the, in the pods. Is that just because it's grown further? The Lumen, it has short fat pods. It looked the best from emergence right through till flowering. I would have been happier with more seeds per pod. Smilla, it was probably the slowest in emerging, but yet it's probably the closest to harvest now. Great long pods, multiple branches, and we'll wait to see, see what comes off the combine on that one. And last of all, the Miracle. It's probably been the poorest looking one right from the start, but yet it seems it's to have the most pods on it. Most pods, of them all, um, yeah, by far. It's actually the strongest plant, albeit a bit of a stem canker at the base of it there. So we're hopeful. 
And is the reason that you're growing three different types because this is a trial? You're trying to figure out which is the, yeah. the best type to grow organically in the way that you are? Yeah, we're, we're trying to find varieties that will work, establish their oil potential organically. Um, from what we did learn in Sweden was that organic stuff did tend to be slightly higher in oil and nutrient value. So trying to establish that for ourselves in the background as well. What are the signs of a healthy or uh, an unhealthy crop here? Um, healthy, obviously, there's no, no crop damage, but uh, we've had seed weevil this year. It's leaving a lot of punctures in the pods. Quite a few of the seed in the pod will be, won't reach maturity. It'll die off before it's ripe. You get complete pod fungi kind of attacking the pods as well. There's a few issues there. <laughs> and because you're growing a spring crop, have you had any of the sort of earlier pest problems that perhaps the winter winter crop growers didn't have? I think it's been slightly, because it's so fast growing, there's not a lot holds the spring crop back. Pigeons is, uh, was quite hard on it earlier, earlier on. There was pollen beetle there, but there wasn't. There's no damage. There's no sign on the stems of damage from pollen beetles, so we've dodged that one. What can you do to help protect the crop that is still organic? Getting nutrition right. Healthy soil leads to healthy, healthy crop. Lime is meant to be a good desiccant if you get something coming in give it a blast in a lime and that's almost a natural disinfectant so murray was uh well the only adopter of a, a chameleon uh hoeing sewing uh, system that he he bought um last year this was something that we saw when we were over in sweden the, the manufactured over there yeah. basically you can sew the plants in rows and the same machine can hoe in between the rows. How many times did you hoe, did you hoe it, or did you get the chance um, to hoe it this time? I've been th been through the spring crop three times, and it's pretty clean in the bottom where there's good crop cover. Endrigs is not so clean. Again, to try and perfect the system, so it's whether we leave endrigs unsown or in grass, so we're we concentrate on the straight bits of the field to maximise yield and reduce losses. If you speak to arable farmers around Scotland, maybe conventional arable farmers, the received wisdom is that growing oilseed rape organically is incredibly hard. Some people will tell you it's impossible. Murray, you're standing here with, a, with three sheaves in your, in your hand that kind of proves that it's not impossible, but you must have faced some challenges getting this out of the ground. Yeah, it's not, it's not impossible. Ever where there's a will, there's a way. There's attention to detail. I think is very important. A lot of luck from the gods above. What was it that first interested you, as a farmer and grower, in getting involved in this organic seed rape trial? Because uh, it strikes me as quite a gamble. Yeah, partly down to the finding out that Masoya was coming from China. There's been a few, a few reliabilities of source issues I've heard of in the past, and 
think that it's a uh, it's madness in this day and age to be importing from all over the world like that. So something like Neolac solves the problem for you in that it is locally and sustainably sourced, but of course up to this point it hasn't been organic. You're looking for a, a similar solution, but for the organic side of things. Would that be fair to say or am I putting words in your mouth? No, yeah, that is, is fair to say. Um, if Neolac was available instead of organic soya, we would we would be using it. When we had sheep in the organic unit, we was probably using two or three tonnes a year of soya, which is not a lot compared to some pig and poultry producers. But um, we would certainly have uh, used it, um, being available. And, and you reference China there particularly, as opposed to just far away. Is it sort of a, a geopolitical thing? Are you nervous that the supply will stop? Or is it to do with environmentalism and rainforests and orangutans and things like that? Um, I'm not what you call a, a eco-warrior, but I would class myself as an intensive organic farmer. But uh, no, I, I just don't like the idea of it being shipped all over the world for less money than what we can produce at home um, I think I think we we really need to knuckle down and get our products we make at home used at home and surplus sold rather than shipping it away and shipping somebody else's back in instead of it Ed it's certainly an exciting project there's huge amounts of potential and we'll talk about how it's got potential not just for animal feed but for human consumption as well how unique is this in the UK? Well, we think it's uh, very much a first. I'm not aware of any other organic uh, oilseed rape being grown uh, in the UK. And at, at all? Anywhere? I do know of one in England through somebody else, so I don't... Not 100%. Uh, but, but, I haven't, but it, haven't spoken to him in person, but uh, I believe there is a guy in England that's been growing on and off for the last seven years a okay. uh, small area for and selling direct but in terms of being a i guess a, a a larger trial of this kind this this is this is a first yeah well we're, we're hoping that this can uh, very much um grow from here to be uh, in a full on to, to full commercial scale um we we're hoping to have about uh, um 40 tons of seed this year um, and certainly from uh, the plantings uh, that, are, that are going on at the moment, um, we, we should be looking at several hundred acres for uh, being planted this year, um, ready for harvest in a year's time. And uh, we've uh, been working with a wholesaler in, uh, based in the south of England who supplies mostly organic restaurants and whole food shops and he has never been able to get organic rapeseed oil from anywhere in the UK and quite excited about the prospect. They did list a, uh, um, an organic rapeseed oil that had that has been grown in Europe somewhere, but um, at the time they, they didn't have any supplies of it. So I think that the supply is 
kind of patchy. So actually, that's quite a departure for Norvite. Am I right in saying that? That up until now, you have been primarily, if not exclusively, an animal feed manufacturer. Is this the first time you'll have ventured into a product for human consumption? Well, when we built the plant, whilst we initially were really only looking at the animal feed market, we uh, spec'd it and built it with stainless steel so that it could become human food certified. And we actually went through that certification process um, and got salsa approval about 18 months ago. We've been uh, supplying a little bit into the, uh, into the human food market, but in terms of conventional cold-pressed rapeseed oil, it's quite a crowded market now. There's 10 or 11 brands in Scotland and probably 60 or 70 brands in the whole of the UK. Um, but, uh, you know, certainly um, uh, organic would be a first. So we've talked a bit about the challenges of growing organic rapeseed oil uh, here in the UK, but actually the prize is quite great. If you can perfect this system uh, of growing it and pressing it and keeping it organic, there are some quite high margins to be had by the sound of it. The um, conventional cold-pressed rapeseed oil, um, when it first became uh, mainstream about 10 years ago, sadly has seen a, a big reduction in the price. You know, typically the um, £4.95 bottle is now, you know, two or three pounds or even less uh, in some places. And uh, we think it's so unique that it, it's quite important, both from giving the very best return for the growers, that we protect that value as best we can. Um, and uh, Murray's nodding his head here very vigorously. And you know, I think it would be very sad if it got you know if it, if if the product was devalued because there's a lot of effort and work has gone into um, getting to where we are at the moment. And to be honest, I'm not even sure that it will be able to be uh, reproduced in England because of the. Uh, greater pest problems that they tend to have so it's quite possible this, this will be a, a uniquely Scottish product and probably only a north of north of Scotland uh, product potentially but there is many acres of arable land organically certified that could grow it and we just think it's a fantastic uh, opportunity for the organic farm community in this area and particularly for uh, SOPA members. Murray, Ed's already sort of touched on this but we've talked a bit about the challenges of growing this organic oilseed rape. There's a prize to be had if you can get it right. Yeah, um, obviously we all want to find a niche product that we can grow that's going to give us a good, if not excellent return? Well, I think there is a, 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 a relatively small but growing sector of the population who want to buy food which hasn't been grown using artificial fertiliser and chemicals without getting into the health benefits and, and uh, any of that sort of stuff. That market exists and, and, um, and it's growing. 
that's the market that we're we're, we're aiming to uh, aiming to supply. The sense that I'm getting from talking to you guys now is that this is very much still a process. This is still a, a journey that you're on, and, and a learning experience, Ed. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, I think we covered uh, we covered a, quite a, a few bases uh, in this first year, but there's still a huge amount to learn. We've got, you know, a great team that we put together, um, both farmers, agronomists, and um, uh, researchers from uh, SRUC, and uh, we're very much hoping to keep that group together, share knowledge, and do that knowledge transfer out to the uh, wider market as well. Now, there'll be one group of listeners to On Farm whose ears will have pricked up listening to this, and that is people who grow livestock uh, organically, because they will have automatically assumed that Norvite, as an animal feed producer, will be producing an organic version of Neolac, um, a sustainable, local, organic feed that they can then feed to their animals. If you're focused primarily on restaurants and you know the, the human food, uh, for want of a better word, will they get a look in? Will people like, I don't know, Connage Highland Dairy, who we featured in another episode of On Farm, uh, whose cheese is organic uh, because their animals are fed organic feed, will they be able to benefit from what you're doing here as well? Absolutely. Uh, you have to remember that uh, when we crush the seed, 65% of it is meal, which isn't suitable for uh, human consumption. So that is 65% of, of, of whatever is harvested naturally becomes animal feed. We haven't really uh, explored whether we can use the same uh, technology for um, do, the rumen, doing the rumen uh, protection that we use in Neolac. But even the, the uh, meal on its own in an untreated uh, form is a very valuable uh, feed source. So that's a, a bit further down the line, but still very much on the cards. Yeah, very much so, yeah. So what does the future hold? You, you clearly need, Murray, a successful crop this year. Uh, that's the next step, presumably. Yeah, if we don't have a successful crop this year, next year we won't be trying it again. <laughs> I think uh, Dad will put the brakes on on that one. <laughs> but um, no, okay, we've... This is our fourth year with oilseed rape in the ground. And of course, Ed, for this to work for you, you need people like Murray to, to, to buy in. You, you need the farmers to commit to it, don't you? Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Um, I guess one of the good things is that if we, if we uh, know that we've got reliable crops coming through and we have an idea about how what acreage is being planted that gives us a forecast of what seed would be available for crushing for the for the year ahead we can kind of plan how much oil uh, and meal we would have available for uh, to 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 market you know almost a year in advance really you used a word there which i think is key and that is reliability that's going to be what the restaurateurs or the whole food shops that you're selling to are going to want to hear from you. They're going to need to be convinced that Murray and all the other farmers involved can reliably and consistently produce this product. Yeah, that, that's really important. Part of the feedback from the wholesale uh, customer uh, 
was that he did have problems in, in continuity of supply. So we'll hopefully be in a much better position to be able to give him a forecast of what would be available for the, for the year ahead. That's the, the beauty, I suppose, of working within the group rather than not having any idea about what might be available. And I think that goes for all organic crops, really, is it's quite important when you're growing it, or when you're growing anything, to have an idea of what your end market is going to be because things change so much that you can't always guarantee you'll be able to sell something even if you have grown it. Yeah. No, I, in organics, you can't... In organic cereals, anyway, you need to have a market before you plant it, really. There's no point in just growing it. Well, Ed, Murray, thank you very much indeed for your time today, and, and good luck, both of you. Good luck, good luck with the, the trials and, and getting the results that you're after. Thanks very much. Yep, thank you. That was on-farm producer Dave Howard at Norvite Feeds in Aberdeenshire, speaking with Norvite's Ed Smith and organic oilseed rape grower Murray Cooper. Many thanks to all of them, and good luck to everyone involved in the trial. We are now coming to the end of this first episode of our new series, but thank you very much for joining us again. As ever, please share this episode with anyone you think might be interested. In fact, we're going to try something new on Twitter. You already know that we tweet as at on underscore farm UK. If you recommend us to someone on Twitter and tag us in the tweet, then you'll have a good chance of having a shout out on an upcoming episode to say thank you. So just tag us in a tweet recommending us to a new listener and we'll try and give you a shout out on air. It's the least we can do to say thank you. Next time we're staying organic. I will be having a chat with a farmer making the switch from conventional to organic production and what that involves. It's absolutely fascinating. See you then and stay safe in the meantime.